Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to episode 18 of Conversations That Don't Suck. We have such a good one today. This is one of my favorite episodes I've recorded in the last several weeks and um, we have Kyle Zamchek here today. And Kyle and I got connected because, okay, kind of a roundabout story. So Kyle lives in Austin and so does my older sister. My older sister got connected to Kyle through a very, very random, like just too ridiculous of a story to go into, got connected to Kyle. They became friends. Kyle is telling my sister about the work that she does. And my sister says, oh, my sister is going to love you. You have to get connected to her. And uh, so then Kyle and her team started running events through the community that I'm a part of here in San Francisco, um, which they actually typically run events in San Francisco anyway. And yeah, that's how Kyle and I got involved in each other's lives. And we also have almost the same name and we also have both have curly red hair and we also are both Jewish. And there's just a lot of other beautiful similarities. And I love her so, so, so dearly. Kyle, thank you so much for doing this. This is such a beautiful conversation. And we get into so many good things here. And one of the amazing things that I love about speaking to people like Kyle is in in an a setting where she's getting interviewed and I'm asking her about her life. She's so skilled about at reflecting questions back to me and really finding the thread in what is being said through conversation. And she really is one of the most skilled listeners that I know. Um, And once you hear about her company, Listenly, that she co-founded and about the work that she does in general and the things that have made her life what it is, that uh, might come as no surprise to you. But Kyle really does have an ability to just, through her presence and her her listening style, to help people drop their walls completely and to really sink into where she is with them. And um, it's something I really can't articulate through language. It's just this incredible feeling being in her presence. So Kyle, I'm so grateful for you. Like so, so, so grateful for you. And thank you so much for doing this with me. And uh, it was long overdue, honestly, really, really overdue. So I'm really grateful that we got to have this conversation and there are many more in the future. One unrelated slash also related thing that I want to push right now is there is an open house that's happening through an organization called the Connection Institute, which is founded by my friends Peter and Mark. And Peter and Mark are dear friends and and colleagues of mine, fellow skilled relators, educators, uh, facilitators, and they are amazing human beings. And and the Connection Institute is essentially a team of educators that teaches the art of authentic human connection. And so if you've heard me talk either in my personal life or on this podcast, I've mentioned many times different relational, relational practices that I'm a part of that I practice online and in person when we are allowed to be in person. Um, and a lot of this is through the Connection Institute. And I have absolute confidence in saying that this work has changed my life and I actually only started doing practices with the Connection Institute within the last four months or so and it's truly 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 incredible work it's more profound and eye-opening than anything else I've ever experienced in terms of capital W work personal development work things like that so 
I highly, highly, highly recommend that you check it out. And one thing that they're doing is they're doing an open house to introduce people to these practices. They're doing a ton of different types of relational practices that you can sort of pick and choose from over the week. It's totally free and it is starting today. So today is May 18th. Um, and if you want to check it out, they're doing different practices all throughout this week going until May 24th. And so I'm putting the link to that in the show notes. So scroll into the show notes and you can see uh, all of the open house information. And again, yeah, some really, really amazing skilled facilitators that you can be in the presence of online. And you are just so lucky if you get to be a part of it. It's so sweet. So again, sign up. There's going to be a lot going on. And I really can't recommend this work enough if you are at all interested in authentic human connection. Okay, I'm going to stop myself here, and I love you all so much. Thank you for listening, and let's get into the episode with Kyle. We live in a world that is starved for more authentic connection. Better conversations are our first step in getting there. Welcome to Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm your host, Kyla Sokol Ward, and I'm here to engage you in truth-telling discussions about the super deep, always beautiful, sometimes ugly, and wholly honest parts of being a human. Real connection and empathic communication can feel easy and should be a part of our everyday lives. Most of our conversations suck. These ones don't. Hi, Kyle. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Kyla. That's funny to say, Kyle, Kyla. I know. <laughs> we haven't, I feel like we've never done that at the beginning of a conversation, actually. <laughs> like That will be our first time actually realizing like, oh yeah, that's what it sounds like to go yeah. back and forth with that. We have almost the same name and almost all of the same physical characteristics. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like genetic characteristics. Hello, sister. Is yes. what we should be saying. <laughs> yes. Um, what's your What's your world like today? What's been a theme of your day? Ooh, theme of the day. Rapid context switching. So mm. there's so many different areas that are being built. And then it feels like each conversation is diving deep into one of those areas, a few layers in, and then you're like, oh, okay, got to pop back up and then go over here to this other world that I'm building. So themes that are big are world building and like tunneling down into visions and then going back up um, mm. and kind of like that bounce and back and then that rapid context switching of then also being like oh I'm a human I need to go eat food I need to go use the bathroom <laughs> and like you know somewhere in this whole remote landscape of working is also like how back-to-back everything I think has become in terms of yeah. meetings and structures uh yeah. And so I, I noticed that is big for me. Mm, that whole like jumping from large to small context or like inner to outer context, as you described it, is kind of how I like imagine your brain working all the time almost. <laughs> like I didn't really realize it. So you put it into those words and I'm like, isn't that, this seems like how you always operate. And it's like, like brilliant too. It's like, there's nothing like scattered about it to me. It's just like, it's just like how your mind is. And it's amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm, I, you can't see me, but I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering. I'm like feeling into that. I'm like, yeah, I think it, it's a very active feeling, that bouncing. Mm. Uh, and I'm wondering if when I'm doing my work from my most grounded place, 
where is it in that in that there's like an energy to it though like i can't lie there's like something really fun and energetic about that bounce right it's like i can see how it's got both sides to it it's like super engaging for me like me on my own personal level super engaging and then it's also like oh god am i gonna end up in a puddle on the floor like totally burnt out from that Mm -hmm. degree um yeah i think that's something actually that leads me to the this this thing that's like really been on my mind i'd say for like a week and a half um that 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 idea of like output and then do you end up at a puddle on the floor and uh you know i've been really thinking a lot about i don't know if you're familiar with tony lane casserly no she is somebody who's really active in the blockchain space and like a huge visionary around that and she went to art school and she died like a week and a half ago Mm. um or in April and she you know it's just it's like really rocked my world in this way that's like a a strange way she's she's 29 so she's you know wow our age and and like what a badass phenomenal human and woman and it's really I like I didn't even realize that she had died I like saw it it popped up somewhere like on some news feed and it and I was like wait what and I it just has like really put me in this state of immense reflection and also just like when do you see yourself and others and like what's happening for them or what you what you think is you see aspects of yourself and then seeing what's what's happening and what's the state of the world and what's actually going on underneath the hood for all different people is just like yeah it's just been big for me Mm, wow yeah 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 that seems like a really deep um uh, just like nuanced thing of like there's the route of it that's like around death and then the route of it that surrounds um yeah like what's going on behind the curtain for everyone as you said and yeah a lot of different pieces to that and like leaving a legacy that like this person who was so young like clearly left a mark on on a lot of people and like maybe a whole um area of thinking and there yeah it seems like that's a really all of those areas seem so charged yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I think like the vulnerable edge there like if I'm really leaning into it, it was um there was like this time maybe it was four years ago or something and at one point before I'm doing all the listenly stuff like how I actually met Jeff, my business partner, was in a blockchain mastermind, and I mm-hmm. did this little crypto stuff. And and so she was speaking at a conference, and I remember feeling like, oh, she's speaking at that conference. And I remember feeling like jealous. Like I remember feeling that envy of like, oh, wait, maybe I should have be like speaking at that conference. Um, and then I I feel like a deep sadness about that now because that was as much as it crossed my mind, and then it was gone. And now as I'm doing this like dig into her work and where she was going with it I have just deep wells of sadness that I'm like oh why didn't I meet her why didn't we collaborate like Mm. how and then I was sitting with that grief and then that charge around like feeling bad that I could have ever felt jealous instead of just total support because like oh my god all these badass women doing these things like oh god I want to support you so badly um Mm. And I don't know if that's just where I'm at, where I am now versus where I may have been then when I was still like working towards something or saw things from a different perspective. But I see all the ways that her and my work maybe could have supported each other and, and that I just never even had the chance to know her and what little reaction I had had to her life had had that charge of some jealousy to it. It feels like, oh, and then I, and then I sat with that, right? Like I, 
I brought it to, to Jonathan, my long-term romantic partner. And he was like, well, how can you be grateful for that? And I realized like, oh my God, thank you, Tony, for like opening up ideas to myself of what mm-hmm. I could do to help push me. And like, mm-hmm. she doesn't even know it, but she impacted and influenced my ability to see like, oh, awesome. She's doing that. I'm going to do that too. And, and I, you know, it, it, she helped push me and drive me. And I, and now I'm just trying to be grateful that I, that I had that and that her life had that meaning and, and helped play a role in whatever I go on to create and add to the world. Mm, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So much good stuff to dive into there. I, I'm wanting you, I'm feeling a desire to like you to give, because you mentioned Listenly, um, to give like a, a brief overview of what, what that is and, um, yeah, what you're building and creating in the world. And I feel like there's about a million and 10 juicy things we can dive into after that. Not <laughs> um, that Listenly isn't awesome. juicy. It is. <laughs> no, uh, Listenly is the, the beginning tip of the iceberg of the juice that is yet to come for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I'll put it into three sound bites that I did at the, tr- I, I reduced all of Listenly into a 10 minute presentation, not all of it, but what I could for the transformative technology summit that happened yesterday. So I was, oh, yeah. it was awesome and great. They did a phenomenal job doing this huge conference that spanned the globe. I was super impressed. And uh, so in three sound bites, if I'm <laughs> going to talk about what Listenly is, Listenly first, it's, it's a community of deep listeners that provide instant emotional support as a service. And that's via text, audio, or video. Um, second, Listenly also supports other community builders using our technology platform that's designed for authentic connection. So all different people that are in the social health, emotional health, well-being space that have their own subgroup and community, we're trying to create the space so that our technology can best serve those communities who all often don't have a tech arm um, so that they can have direct connection with all their community members and people might be able to leverage their listeners the same way we have a, a community of listenly listeners there's other listeners from all different practices um, from circling from t3 from the landmark forum like so many different practices people have mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways us as listening listenly are somewhat agnostic like all these ways are amazing if they bring value and serve somebody. How yeah. do we scale that and create more opportunity for that? Um, so that's the second way. And then the third is we have Listenly Enterprise, which brings in these cutting edge connection tools, specifically to remote teams right now. It used to be in-person and remote, and now we're really diving into how can we best leverage that connection for these remote teams. So those are the three core ways that we are existing within this ecosystem right now. And I guess I, I, I feel like I have to share because of what's going on with COVID. We're specifically right now looking, if you go to listenly.co, that's our site, but listenly.co slash COVID, looking at how can we've now taken this amazing community of listeners that we have who are wonderful volunteer listeners and seen, okay, now, how, now that we have this amazing community, how do we connect it with those who might need the support the most? So we just ran a pilot and initiative all around healthcare workers and those who are most impacted by COVID right now, either on the front lines or dealing with it because they themselves are infected or lost or suffering because a family member um, has the virus. And so mm-hmm. we ran that pilot and it, uh, like, I, it's weird to say that like it was, it was quite impactful 
but it's like heartbreaking, right? Because when you realize that like, oh yeah, there is that need. We, we did yeah. it as an experiment to say, do, do healthcare workers need this? And when you, we saw the results on the other end and the impact and by the time people called in and connected with our listeners, you know, they were ready for that emotional release to connect with somebody and um, really impactful. So we're continuing to grow that. So if any of your listeners know anyone in the healthcare space, um, any healthcare workers, please, like they are welcome to come and be using that first part of Listenly, which is that community of deep listeners that are available for them right now. Mm, yeah, I wanted to ask about the about the initiative y'all had going on. I, I want to give um, two reflections on what you shared. May I do that? Oh, yes, please. I'm definitely tired of hearing myself talk. So <laughs> to hear your reflections. So the first is that like my my sort of immediate reaction to what you're saying, and it's not that I like didn't know these things about listening. Listening, none of this is is quite news to me. But first of all, like as I'm hearing you speak, I noticed kind of immediately that like the um, like the the register in your voice dropped like very just slightly. And mm-hmm. to me, I sort of take that as a uh, an indication of like just being more grounded and like that you so embody everything that you and Jeff have built from this company and that um, and that like this message is just like so in your soul and it's so beautiful and it's not this thing that like you've memorized and now it's like up here in your head and you say it and it's wrote and like you can hear as I'm speaking even like my register went out there and yeah I just like hear this beautiful embodiment and like depth come from you every time you talk about your work and it's so beautiful so I just love hearing that from you so much um thanks yeah (laughs) I'm melting over here (laughs) thank you with your sweetness of course yeah and the other thing is that like I just want to say I've I and I'm I'm pretty sure I've said this to you before but I've just like learned so fucking much from you and from Jeff and from like from what y'all have built and um, yeah, just like being a part of different, um, listening labs that y'all have done here at our community in San Francisco and, um, yeah, getting to learn not just the listening skills, but even like some of the smaller things of being able to redirect a conversation when I'm being asked something that I like don't really care about answering and how to do that in a way that's like really skillful and, um, I really consider it such a gift that y'all are bringing to the world um, and that y'all have brought to me for sure. Um, and I, I think what you guys are doing is so fucking important is like at the, at the forefront of what we need to bring the revolution that is, is so um, on the horizon right now. So that is, that's my feelings about you. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. That hits like a deep, a deep part in me. It, can I share what that brings up for me? <laughs> yeah, let's just go back and let's forth, back just and like sharing impact. Yeah, impact shares. Maybe that's really what conversations just are. Seriously, Fuck, yeah. We just don't name it that. Yeah, right. Uh, but somebody once asked me, they somebody I really respect, an old friend from college who now runs a very successful company in New York City. Uh, he asked me, he's like, okay, but let me really ask you the real question, like do you actually think what you're doing has any impact? Mm. You know? and, and I really appreciate that kind of question. It's like, let's just really always reckon with what is the impact you want to have? And are you actually having any? Like, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways, I'm sure I've done it a million times with myself to fool ourselves because we want to have impact, but that's different than having the impact. And I think why your share really resonates with me is I remember just like sitting there and turning to him and I was like, yeah. 
because the impact mm-hmm. that I want to have, like somebody came up the night before we had been hosting a listening lab in New York city and somebody came up to us and they were like, Oh my God. And that two and a half hours, like I felt more seen than I felt in my entire life. Mm. It was like, Oh, like it was like so beautiful and so awful that this person had to go that long without ever like really feeling seen. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, if that's it, if like, that's the impact we had and one person had that, um, and that, and had that experience and you can't forget that experience. Like he's not going to forget that experience of that emotion. And if he does, then maybe it gets integrated and that's great. But like, how might then now that participant create that space for somebody else? And what is the butterfly effect that something that we've done had on somebody else? And so like, that's why I think what your share is really meaningful for me because I forget. I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you were able to learn that skill and that tool. It's like conversational boundaries. And yeah. if you had that and you were able to like use that in a way that felt meaningful, I'm like, well then, then, then that's, that's if, if nothing else ends up coming from listenly, but like somebody having that and you having that, it's like, I'm satisfied. And so I, mm-hmm just have deep gratitude for your share. Mm. Oh, I have like nice, warm, warm, fuzzy feelings all over. That's lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, um, I think you all are impacting so many people. And I know that when, uh, when we've gotten the chance to host the listening labs at our community here in SF, there's always been so much positive feedback and people, I, I'm resonating with what you're saying in that people, it's equally beautiful and heartbreaking that this is so profound for people, that your work is so profound, that being listened to and being heard is something that is so needed and so revolutionary for so many people. And um, I'm like grateful that there are people like you who are doing that work and bringing that to people's lives. And it's also like, fuck, I I wish we lived in a world where we didn't need this, but like that's totally. what you're working on creating, you know, is creating that world. Totally. It's like at, at its end point, I think the most self-actualized that this work will ever be is if it, it, it becomes completely irrelevant. And mm-hmm. it's so interwoven in the fabric of how we all connect and the expectations we can have of each other, like that it's just irrelevant. And that is beautiful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, beautiful. So you had mentioned before we hit record that there are like other, there are several things on your mind that are feeling super alive. And I want to know what those things are because I'm a fiend. I'm like a, like, what is the word sapiosexual when you're like attracted to people's intelligence? That's, <laughs> I think that is. I mean, yeah. That's how I feel around you. <laughs> so I want to, I want to like dive into your mind. Uh, well, you know, it's what it really, uh, so the, what it brings up is that it really comes back to Tony, like to Tony Lean Casterly and the feelings that I have of, you know, I, I ended up as one does during this COVID pandemic at 3am going down too many rabbit holes of online things. And I've never like, done that. Never, <laughs> and it's like, I just wanted to know everything about her life. I wanted to know everything about her death. I just like, I wanted to just know her because I feel sadness that I didn't know her. Um, and so like, in what ways can I know her now? And I, I came across her Steemit profile. And I was just like, there's something that, I don't, I have no idea, did she write it? Was it even hers, you know? But, um, and I found this like huge tension because it got, it cut to a root tension in myself, which is that, 
within the first few paragraphs, like even in the title, I think she had self-titled it something like, you know, the hottest girl in blockchain or something. And I think she was somewhat known as that. And she seemed like such a sharp mind and brilliant and phenomenal and, and like being beautiful, external and internal, like it's all part of it. But within like the first two paragraphs, it kind of talks about that. And there's a picture of her with like Richard Branson. And Mm. it's like, it's so clear, like to me, and it might just be all my own projections, but in what ways was like the voice potentially in her head that, that I saw at least in that Steemit post, like uh, that form of self-expression kind of emblematic of maybe some of the conventions or image that the young female leaders like end up grasping onto and they themselves open doors and yet are so suffocating. And mm-hmm. why that's so alive in myself is I feel like there's this part of me that's always like push pull with understanding how, who and how am I physically in this world? Cause I'm somebody like loves being in my body and embodied and practices of that. But it's like, how do I package that? How do I want to, how do I reject packaging that? And that inner tension. And so like she went to art school and had this arts background, which I also went to school and did a lot of, well, I didn't go to art school. I went to school that I did a lot of arts at. My background was all in the creative arts. And it's like that aesthetic uh, part of it is, is a wonderful part, like understanding aesthetics and beauty and how that plays into our world. But then like in what ways do young women in leadership feel like they have to live up to something or reject it? Like, how do we completely Hmm. reject our own femininity? Like, when am I too aware of like, oh, but does this shirt look too booby? And like Mm -hmm. doing this presentation, what do I want to convey? What do I want people to think about? And it's such a weird fine line that I'm like, I just haven't had any public conversations about that. And uh, it's just like alive in me and it's alive in the death of Tony for me and seeing what is her world and what was she valued for in, in complex, intricate ways? And in how, what did she value herself for in those complex, intricate ways? Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that you're, that you're thinking about all of this and it is. So I, I think about like the, the privilege that comes with being whatever the fuck society deems as like conventionally attractive. Hmm. Which is, of course, like that in and of itself, like such a confusing concept because specifically for women, there is like no one right way to be attractive. It's like whatever you have, you're wrong, basically. It's like what we're marketed to. Hmm. Um, And but but yeah, I I think about this a lot, like when it comes to conventionally attractive women in spaces of power and spaces of more intellectual spaces um, and just. I don't, I don't, honestly, even as I'm like talking about it, I feel like a lot of discomfort in my body and kind of this like weird queasiness of like, I don't even know where to start this conversation because there's so many strange nuances and so many like, the, actually, I don't even know. I'm like even getting really tongue tied, like thinking about it. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, like, I remember being in I don't know, I must have been in my early 20s. I like read some study about what size boobs are ideal in a workplace to have respect. And I'm like, what oh, the Jesus Christ what the study? And also like, it was like a certain size boob is too small, a certain is too big that you're going to lose respect. And, you know, I was like trying to assess like, where do I fit into this? And yeah, like 
I totally hear it. Part of me is like, well, let's not even touch this. It's too complicated. And it, there's so many nuances. And then the other part of me is in like, well, we better all start talking about it. Then. <laughs> like we better start building a vocabulary. We better say something that like, you know, if it, I, I, it's that, that hard part, like do you cross lines and risk offending at the hope that you stimulate a conversation where like, please give critical feedback to me on anything I've said, you know, like you or whoever's listening to this. Um, but like, it feels like a conversation worth having. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's like part of the beauty of like where your work or the work of like people who work in the field of social well-being in general is so beautiful. Is like that these conversations are impossible because no one has taught us how to have them. And if like there is no one who is creating the space for them to happen in a way where like everyone gets to fuck up because we're going to, when we have these conversations, then, um, yeah, then, then we can't have them in the way that they need to be had at least. And so I think that's where people like you and I, and many of the people that we love and respect come in, um, to make that possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's the direction that you were, you were thinking. Of. <laughs> that's we are. That's where we are. Oh my gosh. I, I have this feeling of like, I want to like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Something about that topic of just like the attractiveness of women in intellectual spaces and like what kind of gravity that seems to hold in the world or in like a certain part of the world. Like I want to like purge that conversation from my body somehow. That's what, that's what my feeling is. Well, to, to ask a question, like I also wonder I sometimes wonder, I don't even know, is it about like attractiveness or is it more just about too, like how empowered does every individual feel to feel embodied and to make whatever decisions that they want about that body and about how they want their body to be presented in the workplace? I mean, it like gets into, mm. you know, trans activism and like how much do mm-hmm. queer bodies feel empowered and not queer spaces? And it's like... Mm-hmm. I think it's just like such a universal challenge. And, and actually, I think something really interesting about this time of COVID is that professional personal boundary is getting pushed whether we like it or not, because people are in their homes and they can dress up in their fancy suits all they want. But like, we see their daughter walk into the room, or yeah. we see their world around them. And so it's like our own humanities like quite literally crashing into the frame and the picture, you know, as we're yeah. on Zoom and... I know what opportunities might there be in that being this like weird, unique time where we're getting to see more glimpses into the wholeness of people's worlds. Mm. Yeah. Well, what's it been like for you? <laughs> well, what an what, inquiry, Kyle. <laughs> Why don't you answer it? <laughs> yeah, what has it been like for me? I mean, fortunately, all of my Zoom meetings are with people who we were already like very much pushing those parts of ourselves and <laughs> allowing space for it. But what has it been like for me? I think, I think if anything, that has just been refreshing because of it's, it's a, it's mutual. It's now like the expectation is that everyone is in that. And when mm-hmm. you expect everyone to be in that, there's more permissioning of it. So everyone is permissioning more and more of like, Oh, I mean, like <laughs> how could you not when you have like funny now, uh, Zoom. I had to go. I got really embarrassed because Jonathan 
um, was on a call, a very serious call, a, a wonderful facilitator, Dr. Hazel Grace was facilitating around healing the divide. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and like people are sharing really vulnerable stories. I, I can't hear it or anything. I didn't even know he was on that call. I'm in the background, like talking about something completely different on a phone call with my <laughs> sister or a friend. And I got so mortified because apparently Hazel Grace was like, is that Kyle? She could hear me in the background. And I, oh my God. I was so embarrassed that I had to like go shut myself in another room being like, I can't talk on the phone. I'm so embarrassed because everyone's having these really vulnerable discussions and there I must have been in the background like talking about who knows what and so I googled like embarrassing zoom situations and I felt much <laughs> I felt much better and like because seeing the amount of that's happening it's like un inescapable and unavoidable and kind of beautiful when you realize you're not alone in, in all of this embarrassment and yeah and so it was just such funny stories coming up I, I went on a little tangent there so but anyhow yeah that, that's kind of what it's been like for me is that ultimate um humbling and permissioning of us all to be messy yeah 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 and I love that you mentioned it's like yeah it's sort of expected now that we're all going through it and there's this I, I'm noticing even like when I'm um on phone calls and someone has to whatever, like go take care of something that their kids spilled on the floor or they have to go like yell at their roommates, turn their music down or whatever it is. Like there's a lot less apologizing happening, which I'm really enjoying. Mm. They'll just say like, oh, I can you just give me two minutes? I have to go do this thing. And it's not just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like that was so disruptive. And, this, and it's like, you know what? Like this is, this always was our lives and now we can stop pretending like it wasn't. And um, it's so feels so easeful to me, that piece of it. It's really sweet. Hmm. I'm kind of curious for you then on top of that too is like, has it changed anything about podcasts? Like as you're doing this podcast and, and like the intimacy that might be uh, associated, I don't know, like, like how has this all impacted you and your understanding of the podcast world? Ooh, what a nice question. I so love that you're asking me a question. This is so nourishing. <laughs> People never ask me questions on my podcast. No, um, Keep them coming. <laughs> um, how has it changed for me with podcasting? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily changed like the intimacy part of it. Um, I think that feels like equally as delicious as it always has. Um, I guess maybe maybe the only thing being like that when I'm talking, cause you know, whatever, one of the first things that anyone is going to bring up is coronavirus, um, oh. in any conversation at all, but even, you know, remains true on this podcast. And, um, yeah, I think there's something kind of nice about like, Oh, let's drop into like the nitty gritty of what you're saying and not just like how long is your shelter in place order happening, but like what's happening with your psyche right now. And like, mm. what's your emotional body feel like today? And like, let's talk about that piece, which I'm grateful that I get to do with a lot of the people in my life. Um, but that it's, it's nice to be able to broadcast that piece of that conversation at large, um, onto a podcast that feels, that feels sweet. That's awesome. I love that. It's like that first three minutes of that Zoom call where you get to hear just the beginning blip, you're dropping in way deeper. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious for you, like with the work that you've done, actually, wait, let me back up. Is there another thing that feels super alive for you to bring up before I just decide what we're talking about? Because I like really want to follow your thread of aliveness right now. Oh, I, well now I'm already, I'm like, oh, I, 
there's so many, there's so many that are alive, but I'm curious, yeah, what, what your curiosity is. And if it comes up, I'll just, I'll just feel permission to dive in, I guess, to whatever. Cool. I'm curious about my curiosity. Love that. Yeah. I feel curious about you and people like you. <laughs> I want to know, like, what is Kyle like when she's uh, at the grocery store and when she's <laughs> like, like when you're like getting your groceries bagged and like, wh- what are you saying to the cashier? Like, are you having like in-depth conversations every time? And I think there's, there's, this is kind of two-sided for me. I can sometimes assume that people who work in the world of social well-being are always doing that type of shit with ever- that type of shit. The lovely yeah. conversation is what I'm saying when I'm saying shit, um, mm-hmm. are like always speaking that way to everyone all the time, which is really great. Like I can either make the assumption it's happening all the time or, or rather, and when that isn't the case, which of course it's not the case for all of us all the time, I can sometimes feel it really disheartening of like, oh my God, Kyle, sometimes you just like ignore the cashier and just say thank you and leave. Like that's so mean, even though like everyone does that and it doesn't make it right, but it would make you human. Um, and, um, my mind just went in like four circles and I'm not sure I'm asking a question right now. Oh, I'm going to frame this in a question. I, I, I hear a question because I'm like, oh my gosh, but what, yeah, how would you want to synthesize it? But I've got ideas. <laughs> okay. The way I would synthesize it is basically how has your work impacted the way that you show up in the rest of the world? That's the simple, mm-hmm. that, I could have asked that and that would have been really easy to uh, die from there. But I wanted to talk for 15 minutes about cashiers first. Well, I actually think your whole chat about cashiers gives you... G- is there's a much rawer answer that it brought up for me because um, mm-hmm. it allowed me to reflect a bit. And the reality is, oh, I say reality, but it's like, well, is it? I'd have to really think about it. But my gut, well, my gut <laughs> is telling me uh, unscientifically, but, you know, is I remember having a lot more time. And I remember like much, much earlier on, like before I kind of got into all of this work, I may have already been doing some speech coaching, but I remember becoming like really tight with my state farm agent or like I would just have like personable conversations and they'd go on and, and I think there's, it's twofold. Like if I'm being honest with myself, when I was in a much, much earlier stage of my career and I had more um, financial insecurity as well, though as an entrepreneur, you're probably like always in a state of like up and down financial, but you know, fuck yeah. Yeah. But like definitely at that earlier stage, it was like, there's a camaraderie when you're all like, I don't know, just like trying to get by with certain things. And, and I would have much longer conversations and real intimacy. And then I do remember like noticing a pivot where, especially when, once I started running Jackrabbit and I was like so busy and like, that's, I, I just like, life is so, so busy. And those conversations, it would be like, have a relationship with my state farm agent Frick, like I'm not even having time to call them back. Like, can I just get this automated and like do it through online? You know, it's, I, I did notice a steep drop off in, in my having of that intimacy. Um, but I also noticed like, especially as I'm doing this work, it's okay. Well, I'm also scaling that because I'm trying to create it at a larger level. And what I noticed more of now is like a drop in and a drop out. Um, because I also started to realize the power I went through once I really started doing this work, I, I had this weird realization that like, gosh, communication skills are powerful. You can end up getting mm. free things. You can end up talking your <laughs> way to like all kinds of stuff for better or for worse, you know? And it's, yeah. but it's real. And, um, 
I think it gets into all those same isms of like backpack of invisible privileges that attractivism like has in our society. So does communication skills. And if you have very strong communication skills, um, it tends to equate to different kinds of likability, which tend to equate to different kinds of privileges. And so I started to realize the power of that. And then I think it's a bit like zooming in and zooming out, right? It's like, oh, when there's certain customer service needs that we have, you know, Jonathan might put me on the phone to have that conversation. And (laughs) like, uh, I don't know, it's a complicated thing because I do think I probably do have less time and sometimes have that less intimacy. That being said, I can think of like a handful of interactions where I'm like, oh, I've just randomly got really close with with that, the the pest control person who came by, you know, because they have (laughs) great stories and I love talking to them. So I don't know. I think it's a zooming in and zooming out thing where I probably have less consistency like of time to have longer interactions with day to day, like at a grocery store, it's a give or take. It might be no interaction or I might just be like, hi, such and such. And I see their name tag and I just like have that quick blip of human connection. And maybe I was better at that before I did this work or maybe I'm better at it than now. I'm not actually sure. Mm. I'm curious, like what role ego plays in all of this for you? Ooh, great question. <laughs> I feel like there's probably depending on what mood I'm in, probably very different answers to this. Yeah. In some ways, I feel like I mean, I think a lot of this work was born out of practices and life circumstances that were leading me to like ego deaths. Mm. Um, like deaths of loved ones, like that's deep at the heart of, you know, this work for me. And so I feel like doing my work if I'm doing it well, then I need to be having ego deaths again and again and again. Um, And if I'm feeling too, you know, like even like an ego death I had was realizing when am I, where am I getting my validation from and how does that make me feel? And how is that like a lie to myself? Cause how am I putting too much value in that and where am I getting it from? So I don't know. I think it's a perpetual question. And I think, it's hard to see one's own ego, right? So I bet there's a number of people I could be like, maybe we could get them in the room and they could poke holes at my ego. That'd, that'd probably be a more effective uh-huh. way than trying to have me do it. But one thing is I think just surrounding myself. I think I've been fortunate to be surrounded by people who, you know, actually come to think of it, a lot of those people are people who may not do this work at all, but it's like having relationships with people who value you not for any of the things that you do that might look impressive on paper. In fact, sometimes that pulls away because you become a shittier friend because you can't call them back. Or like having Mm -hmm. my sister who, you know, is an amazing amazing educator in grad school at McGill and doesn't isn't doing all this work but can call me on my own bullshit. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that was a rambly answer, but No, no, there's a lot of good pockets in there. Yeah, I think like part of my motivation for asking that about about ego specifically is like partly selfish, I guess, and that there's, yeah, there's a fair amount of ego in my own work and I Mm. am on a constant, I'd say within the last year have been on kind of a constant search for like how much ego is okay and like is altruism real and uh whenever I hear about people who just want to like quote unquote help the world I'm like no seriously why do you want to do what you're doing and like just especially especially with the knowledge that like it is unlikely for those of us who have massive massive missions it is unlikely that we are going to see the fruits of our labor within our own lifetime 
Mm. It, depending on how you want to sort of frame your goals, I guess. Like if we're talking about changing the world, it's like that's ambitious to think that that will happen in one lifetime. Not that it can't, but it's it's ambitious. And um, I, yeah. And so I sort of wonder, I'm like, cool, like what happens if you don't change the world? What else do you get out of this? And like, there's got to be something because part of you knows that's a possibility. And yeah, um, yeah so I, it, it kind of sounds like more cynical than I meant for it to, as I'm saying it out loud, or for me, it sounds more cynical, but um, yeah, I, I'm partly selfishly curious about other other people doing doing good shit for the world and like what's in it for you I want to know oh I love that no that's a great question I think like yeah what that really brings up too is that underbelly layer of like how much are our shadows also contributor to like some of our greatest things that we might contribute to the world and I think I have a real complex one like I've over the last two years really had to look at my caregiver like I care give to a compulsion I think because, you know, after doing a lot of processing, I think it's, I, I believe I need to get everyone else's needs met before mine are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's led me to like really unhealthy relationships before. It's like lots of things. Yeah. And it's, and it's icky, right? Cause like when you have that caregiver side to you, then you have a lot of indirect asks like, oh, it's like that, that, oh, oh. do you want a sandwich? You know, like if I ask that, it's like, okay, but do you want one? And so there's a lot of like, not, I, I feel like sometimes when people say caregiver, it's like, oh yeah, what's wrong with you? You're so caregiving. And I'm like, no, 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 really, there's like really dark shadow sides to that, you know, that, um, you know, or like thinking that I'm so great in a relationship because I, I really showed up for them and then thinking I'm better than them for like having done that work when it, that's actually just a lopsided relationship where I never left it open to have like equality and probably like that fueled my sense of ego. Um, and so I think, you know, this feels like super vulnerable to say, because I, I just don't know how it will. There, I had some realizations in some of the work that I did that a lot of how like a really close intimate friendship I had um, for like a growing up in my life, you know, there, there was deep trauma that they were suffering from. And we didn't know we were young. And I thought it was normal to have, you know, your friend like crying to you on the phone all night and for you to stay up and help them. I just thought that was like what friendship Mm. was. And to a certain extent, I mean, adolescence is hard and that can happen, but I don't, I didn't know that. And I don't think she knew that there was like deep trauma actually happening there. And I, I feel like it, it makes sense to me that now I've gone on to start a company where it's all about having like listeners available to listen. And I also see the shadow side of how did I, as a kid, like kind of play that role in an unhealthy degree and then shape my world by that, that now I'm unpacking. So, you know, it's all there and it's, and it's like our, the shadow sides of ourselves are also some of the, I hope biggest gifts to the world, but it's complicated. It's complex. And um, Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. I feel really like connected to that piece of you and really um, yeah, grateful that you shared that. But yeah, this, yeah, that like a, a wounding of sorts that happened in the past in childhood and adolescence is like something that's just playing out or, or yeah, that's like getting played out in a different way right now. Not in that like, not in that you're acting through wounding, but that like the, the healing of that is getting played out in a different way um, yeah. through your work, through your mission. That's so beautiful it's something that's come up for me a lot like I (laughs) 
I've, I've seen many therapists in my life, but I, the one that I'm seeing now, the reason I started seeing her was because I was like, I think I'm in my business because I just want to feel good about myself. And like, I don't actually care about anything. And, and we like, she's like unpacked that with me for a long time, but I was having this like big crisis of like, fuck, am I a fraud? Am I just doing this to feel good about myself? And to like have some false idea, some sort of like false security around the hope that I'm going to make an impact in the world. And like, is that all just bullshit? And um, yeah, and she's, it's been helpful to sort of turn that around and say like, again, I I struggle with the idea of like true altruism. I don't, I don't know if it exists. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, But I, yeah, just like, there's this big desire in me that didn't get met throughout the beginning part of my life of like being deeply seen and known through no fault of anyone else's. That was just like how I experienced the world. And um, yeah. And like, now I'm trying to like get attention for something else that is helping the world and something that I'm deeply passionate about, but like wanting to be deeply seen and known through my work and like through my professionalism and through my intellect. Um, And yeah, like that's how I'm playing out that the healing of that wounding right now is like, cool, I'm going to get deeply seen for something that isn't like, I'm not going to throw myself on the floor and scream the way I did when I was a kid. I'm going to do it by like getting super smart and like showing that off basically Mm. (laughs) in a way that's healthy. I'm curious, like, how is that going for you in, in, in doing this work and with your new therapist? Like how, how has that influenced how you show up for this work now? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say I like feel really icky even just talking about it. Like I have all these fears of like, uh, like I shouldn't have brought this up at all. And like, I like almost oh. like, uh, oh, should I like delete this out? Of, should I edit this out? Cause it just sounds so gross to me as I'm saying it out loud. And I'm just afraid of a lot of like judgments that could come from others. Um, or like uh, almost like how others could easily misconstrue how I actually feel. And maybe I didn't do a good enough job of communicating it. Um, so that's there. I just wanted to presence that so I can get rid of it um and yeah now hmm, (laughs) I think the biggest challenge with it right now is that like I work alone I work for myself with myself by myself and so there is and always has been since I've chosen the path of entrepreneurship like there's always been that like 90% of my accomplishments go unnoticed and Mm. Um, and that's really challenging. And, and also that like, I don't have many other friends who are entrepreneurs and, um, that, that circle of mine is growing. Thank God. I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, it's hard when I'm like, yeah, I'm choosing to make no money a lot of the time in order to like build something else to, to build something big and, uh, and living in a place like San Francisco where you can be 23 years old and making six figures because you like went to coding school over the summer and, um, yeah. And just like, yeah, no, I'm living in the most expensive city in North America and making almost no money a lot of the time and blowing through my savings so that I can do this thing that may or may not be altruistic. It's like, to me, it makes so much sense. And I like fear how it comes up, comes across to other people who have not chosen this. Uh, and I have a lot of like weird shame and self-judgment around it. So there, there's still like so much work to be done for it for me, for sure. I want, I just want to like be deeply appreciative of you for like opening the space to talk about it. And I want to meet you in that and like, thank you. And I feel like it's, these are the most important conversations I feel like in some ways to capture 
in a public format because mm. it's the deepest part of everyone's inner monologue. And so just thank you for permissioning that. And you said something about the, the fear, like what is the fear of how it would be misconstrued? Mm. I'm feeling so much like fun discomfort at like sharing about myself right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm afraid that other people like will listen to this and be like, oh, oh, she's full of shit. Uh, like she just wants other people to have this certain image of her that she actually isn't. Um, there's a fear around like that people... I have this thing around like my intelligence. Like it's the thing, it's my favorite thing about myself. And it's the thing that gets the least acknowledged in like the, all the parts of who I am, I think in my experience, like it, it, yeah, I don't, I don't often find that I'm in spaces where my intelligence really gets to shine. And so I'm afraid that other people are going to listen to this and be like, she just wants attention for that too. Like just a big baby who wants attention, which like, mm. honestly, we all are just big babies who want attention and we're all just playing it out differently. So I can like be compassionate with myself in that way. And there's also this part of me that wants to like be above that. It's like, I don't want to be a big baby who wants attention. I want to be someone who is like totally actualized, totally done all my work, rinse my hands off. I did the thing. Mm. I'm done. I'm perfect. Everybody look at me. I'm fucking Buddha. That's it. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. It's so many. It's like, it's so funny. Cause I, I did now I just want to like ask you questions <laughs> about it. I'm just like, yeah. Like, and what happens if people do think that? Like, yeah. And what then, you know, and but I, I'm also mindful <laughs> that we're not in a listening session here, but that's where my <laughs> intuitive sense wants to go. But there, you know, it's, I really appreciate you naming and bringing up all that because I think I know for myself, um, like that side of it, like I've just, I've had to do work and it's a push and pull with it because there's a lot of room you know I I took the Enneagram test but like the really shitty one I know I got to take the <laughs> one I took that like 11 minute version one. Oh my gosh and, what are you well here's the thing is I failed to look at all the different things which I think I was equal as percentage of other ones but I was so thrown off by it saying that I was a type three which who knows if I am huh. or am not, because I think I was actually the same equal percentage of another. I just didn't even look at it because it really, I took it after like a long day of being really stressed out and I was probably not in a good headspace. So, <laughs> and it was like, I was just so thrown off that as a type three, that whether that is or isn't true about myself, it like forced me to look in a mirror of a part of myself I didn't want to see. And I had recently mm. seen that like uh, Taylor Swift, Americana, uh, Miss America. Yeah whatever it was on Netflix. And, you know, she, she's, and they listed her as a type three and they're like, you know, and you see her doing so much, doing all this. And then she's like, yeah, but I have to do it again and I have to keep doing it. And you're like, okay, our type threes, what came up for me is our type threes ever satisfied? Do they ever feel like mm. their work was done or is it a perpetual feeling of like, I have to do more and to what end? Like, why, what is it that I'm yearning for from that? And, mm -hmm. and like, and it really rocked me. Like I, I might not be a type three, but whether I am or not, like that was a profound shift for me to see that side of myself and really be like, what is it that I want? And I, yeah, I, I just kind of sit with that. And that's when I had to think about, you know, Jonathan asked me like, well, what, like, what do you value in the people around? Do you value the success of the people around you? And I realized like, I respect those successes, but you know, he's like, you know, if my sister was, doing all like these important meetings, but never around to engage with me. Yeah. I, I respect mm -hmm. all of that, but what I value is, 
is like the love and the tenderness and, and to realize like, oh yeah, that's what the people around me value. They might respect things I do, but what do they appreciate? It's like that tender part of me that may have nothing to do with this work that I put out into the world and might just be who I am. And it, it gets to that fundamental root thing of like, oh, you're lovable just as you are. And mm-hmm. like how simple and yet how profound if you like really just sit with that, you know? Mm, oh my gosh there's so much I want to dive into what you said first of all I want to do like a separate podcast episode about the Enneagram with you I fucking love the Enneagram (laughs) and I yeah lots of lots to be said there but yeah I I like at the core of what you're saying I'm hearing just that yeah it's our being that people appreciate more than anything and that and like that's that's the impactful thing that we bring to the world that is the lasting impact that we have like yeah no one no one is going to care about the business that I built in 50 years. Like it truly won't matter. And, or maybe a hundred, maybe in 50, it'll still be relevant. That'll be cool. But like in a hundred years, it won't matter. And um, yeah, but it's like who I was is going to, is going to, who any of us, not just me, who any of us are is, is the thing that people value and the thing that people, that's the way that we touch hearts. And that's the thing that actually matters. And there's, it's so easy to get caught up in so many things that aren't that um yeah so I appreciate you naming all that Mm. totally it's it's kind of like that stuff at the end of life it's like what really matters you know people Mm want to know do you love me am I loved I love you Mm -hmm. you know do you forgive me like that Mm -hmm. and it really made me want to find somebody who's a type three who's at the end of their life like a few people who are in a different stage and phase than where I am and ask them, talk to them, ask them questions about their reflections on their life because like, yeah, what, what do you end up feeling proud of? What do you Mm. end up feeling was worthwhile? Mm. Oh my gosh. What an incredible project that would be to like folks who know their Enneagram type and yeah, like who are at the (laughs) end of life and to think of like how, how different types approach death what an interesting thing oh I would love that oh my gosh okay so that'll be my next yeah and then it's like lessons lessons you can learn and integrate right now based on what you find from that for sure god if you do that please (laughs) give me the results for this potential type three that I may or may not be but I want another (laughs) I would guess that you were tied with a I would have pinned you as a type seven maybe as the enthusiast um like three but like you being a mix of a seven and a three makes a lot of sense to me if that is what's true but like an enthusiast being like your attention is in so many places and you're like so excited about so many things and also that you like the type three part being the achiever and being like I'm gonna fucking crush every single one of these things like I'm not gonna do one of them I'm gonna do a hundred of them like I could totally see that blend for you (laughs) well I'll let you know once I actually take a longer (laughs) more relevant version of the test yeah it's for sure what are you I'm a four I'm an individualist so I'm very yeah like the artist the one who's like really into being the most unique person in the room which like goes both ways of like oh I'm I'm the most unique and then I'm like the most creative and the most beautiful and the most interesting and the most like just the most different in all the ways and also that like oh I'm I'm the most unique and that I'm like worse than everybody else also like it goes in both mm. directions um mm. so yeah it's like I'm super unique and that uh and that I create meaning out of everything meaning is like a huge thing for type fours with like so I'm imagining like type fours with death would be like it would be just like the most beautiful thing in the whole world to them because it would be the most meaningful thing that ever happened so mm. um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm, That's well, awesome. Yeah. I could seriously talk to you 
forever about a thousand million things and I love you so much. And there are two things I want to do before we keep talking for two more hours. And that is um, one, I would love for you to tell all the people listening where we can find more information about you and about Listenly. And, uh, and then I want to ask you a series of lightning round questions to close. I love that. And Mm -hmm. I love you too, Kyla. I just want Mm -hmm. you to know. Um, So you can learn more about me uh, and Listenly. You can go to listenly.co. Maybe one day we'll buy.com, but for now it's (laughs) listenly.co and you can learn a lot more there. Also, I just try to make myself really accessible. So find me, friend me on on all of the things. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. I believe I'm the only Kyle Zamchek on Facebook. And yeah, (laughs) find me, reach out, uh, listenly.co, Instagram. Yeah, really any of the ways I I, I want to be connected to you and, and see all the amazing stuff that all of you are out there doing too. So that's the best way to find me. I think, did that answer the questions? Oh, you answered. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for lightning round? I'm ready. I okay. sit up in my seat for this one. And when I say lightning, you can honestly take as long as you want to answer these. <laughs> it's like not really an accurate term. I'm like, I want long meandering answers for all of these, honestly. Okay. Perfect. Um, first one, what is something that most people wrongly assume about you? Oh, <laughs> God, that's great. It's hard because I'm torn. I'm like, they wrongly assume, and in some ways it's right, and in some ways it's really wrong. Uh, I think people think I, I'm really good at knowing what I want. Mm. And in some ways I really do know all these things I want, but then the people who know me best know I actually have a lot of trouble identifying my own personal needs. And I sometimes end up inadvertently making my needs a subset of somebody else's needs. Like that's how I'll frame it even to myself. So it's hard for me to actually talk about how I feel. I'll talk about how I feel in relationship to how others are feeling. I both am very strong-willed and opinionated and have lots of thoughts and ideas and needs, but really identifying my own can be hard to sit with. And it's easier for me to sometimes feel into somebody else's world and not my own. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, second question, what is something that you would like to be acknowledged more for in your life? Ooh, this gets to that first answer I just gave you where it's like, whoa, it can sometimes be shockingly hard to know (laughs) what my own want and need is. I'm like, wow, what a question. I better sit with that for months. Um, (laughs) be acknowledged for what comes up for me first is like, it makes me want to think about how do I want to value myself? And then if I'm acknowledged for this other thing, that will help me be more in that. So I'm like putting a lot of focus on, yeah, where do I want to value myself more? Because I know that other people's acknowledgement would probably play into that in some way that I both feel gratitude and shame for. So that's complex. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking about it. That's yeah, no, keep thinking, keep thinking. Yeah. God, it's really hard. I think I need to sit with that for a long time, like to, to like process it a few layers deep. So let me just, I'm just gonna keep thinking about it for a second. Yeah, take your time. I think something I'd want to be acknowledged for is that enthusiasm is quite vulnerable. And I think mm. that's not something, it's something I realized actually in work when I was at Jackrabbit, like if I was really enthusiastic about an idea, I didn't realize that that actually put me in a vulnerable position because Mm. 
it's scary to to share that excitement and to be optimistic or to to try and I mean, it's awesome. I think it's what's led to a lot of my grit. I think sometimes it's like, you got to have grit if you're going to be enthusiastic because you're going to get pummeled like again and again and again. Yeah. Um, but I think just to realize that like that optimism, I think when I was in high school, somebody once, <laughs> I was at a bachelorette party, I don't know, like a year, two years ago. And she was like, <laughs> it was such an honest answer. I wish I could recall exactly how she said it, but she was like, you know, I never knew quite what to make of think of you like in high school, like what you would really do. You know, I thought maybe you would be an airhead. You were kind of all over the place, but it seems like you really like capitalized on those strengths and did something. And I, I, you know, I really appreciated her candor. It was like, I think I can come off as an airhead or I did at least in high school at parts of it. And I think what I've, I don't think I, I don't worry about that at all anymore. But I also think that people don't realize how vulnerable it is to be and, mm. you know, just how, like, that's a strength. It's a strength to be optimistic. It's a strength to have gratitude. It's a strength to be excited about something. And that that is fatiguing and it takes endurance. And so I think that's something. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. I, th- I agree. I think that's something that doesn't get acknowledged enough in general in the world is, is the the vulnerability of that. And I, I'm thinking of, like, the people in my life who are, hyper uh hyper enthusiastic people and yeah and how easy it is for them to get shut down and um yeah and I I imagine there's a lot of pain there as someone who like doesn't always allow for that enthusiasm to shine through I am admiring that piece of you Mm, yeah um third question what do you think most people learn from you well I could say what I hope that they learn. <laughs> we might need to do a poll of the people around me, but I think I'm pretty sure it aligns with what people learn or what my hope. So aspirationally and hopefully what some people have, uh, permission is like what comes up for me. Mm. And the idea to permission yourself in whatever direction is the more authentic real one and that's where I hope I can push boundaries is to create more permission for people to be deeper in themselves, deeper, like present with each other and just permission that that's okay. I think that's why I, I like to go into different environments and feel privileged that I can do so and not flag in certain ways. It's like I have the privilege of being raised where my I, my dialect is socially acceptable in all different mm. academic and business environments so that I can reduce the level of biases coming at me that people might be able to hear that message more. And so that I can take people to kind of the edge of where they thought they were allowed to be themselves and go a little further. And mm. yeah, that permission to permission to be yourself and just permission to live, like live out you in, in the biggest, most badass way possible. Mm, I love that. I definitely learned that from you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and last question. Um, what is one of your favorite questions to ask other people to help you to get to know them? Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite question to ask is, what should I have asked you? Oof. <laughs> nice. Kyle, what should I have asked you? Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, I, you know, to be honest, I'm like, I didn't know all this 
could have been condensed in whatever this conversation was. I feel gratitude that you recorded it because I'm like, this is a slice of life that in 40 years, maybe we can listen back together and be like, what were we thinking about at that point in our lives? So I'm like, you really covered a lot of terrain, but what should, what should you have asked me? Um, Oh, that goes so many directions. I'm going to sit with that one. (laughs) Maybe like, what's the stuff that people might not see? Mm. And I guess that's a very broad and general, but it might be because the things that came up for me, I like, I kind of backtracked there. I thought of some things and then I thought, what's the question <laughs> that would illuminate them? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that might be the question of like, what's the stuff that people might not see mm. in the oh. most general sense of it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that question just like feels so tender to me. I love that. Mm. Ah, well Kyle this has been just like a joy of joys I was so tired physically before we got on this call and now I want to go like jump around somewhere I just like love talking to you and I'm just and I so admire you and I love like picking your brain and I love um just what you're bringing into the world and the human being that you are and your presence and everything so I'm so grateful for you and I'm so glad that you took some time out of your day today to have this conversation Oh, the feeling is mutual. And if you could see me, I just like, I'm kind of sitting here like dumbfounded with like a big smile plastered uh-huh. on my face because I'm just like, huh, like, I'm just like reflecting on everything we just talked about. And likewise, like where I was at at the beginning of this conversation to where I am now, it just feels profoundly different. And I no longer feel in that rapid context switching. I feel like deep in thought and contemplation. And it was beautiful making this art with you because that's what it feels mm. like. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thanks, Kyla. All right, y'all. There you have it. That is the episode with Kyle. Thank you so much for listening. I love you so much. And once again, all of the information that you need for Kyle's company, Listenly, and for the Connection Institute open house that I mentioned in the intro of this episode are in the show notes. And I'll be back next week with another episode. I love you.